Well, welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. It's a podcast that takes a look at the news of the day. We try to have thoughtful conversation about things that matter. Do we, Claude? Do you think we have thoughtful conversation? I think so, for sure. And we get emails um, all the time of individuals who love the thoughtful conversation about news of the day. And actually, I mean, we do this, what, maybe once every two months where we just do emails and thoughts yeah, and yeah, folks yeah. want more of it. So we'll we do it. probably do more. So joining me today, our friend Seth Liebson, he's host of the Seth Liebson show heard daily on KKNT 960 AM in Phoenix. You can hear him online at 960 thepatriotcom But first few things I'd like to discuss. What's the word about now the country, Biden, Trump, give me anything you got. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, it's interesting because there's not one individual. Well, I won't say there's not one. I don't want to exaggerate it. But the, you, it's going to be hard to find a consensus of individuals who believe that the country is is both headed in the right direction and two, uh, number one, headed in the right direction. Number two, uh, doing good. Like the country is thriving. Uh, you, you look at gas prices. You look at the price of food. You look at but the wait fact. Wait a minute. Who, who the, who, how can anybody think we're going in the right direction? I think a majority say that we're not. But you'll find one or two that says, hey, um, you know, everything's fine. President Biden was dealt the raw hand. You know, you get all kinds of analysis. But I think that it's obvious that we're not. I mean, you can't help but look at the gas prices. You can't help but look at the prices of food and goods on the shelves. Uh, You can't even help but look at a job market that, number one, you have people who are looking for jobs. And then you have employers who are looking for employees and there's no connection there. I've never seen anything like that in my lifetime where, you know, you have, you know, a, a job market where people are looking, you know, again, for jobs and, and and now hiring signs everywhere. There are airlines that have a shortage of pilots that are canceling flights because they don't have enough flight attendants. They don't have enough people, to, even though there are individuals who are paying for flights and flights are getting canceled, redirected and things like that. Really unprecedented times. And then I, and, and then it seems to me also when you look at a state of uh, morale when it comes to the country, I feel like that's at a low. And then even the social issues. Now, here's what's interesting. I think you have people. Um, I don't even think you have to go far right. I think you've got people who are, you know, independent, middle of the road and middle right who are just as upset about things as people who are on the far left. Now, they're upset for different reasons. I mean, you know, the, they have different answers to this, to the problems that we have in the country. But you've got a, an administration right now that seems to have angered almost everyone except maybe your um, uh, your diehard um, uh, middle left uh, establishment Democrats. Okay, boy, I didn't know when I opened the spigot I was going to get such a flow, but okay. I didn't know I had so much. Yeah, you got a lot lot in you. Um, Okay, um, it's a tough time, I'm telling you. You know, I want to talk about the jobs thing because you got this funny thing where uh, a lot of jobs are available and unfilled. Mm-hmm. And they're paying crazy amounts of money. Um, and, you know, but just on the flight thing and in the job. But you notice Delta was offering $10,000 to people. Right. They, I saw a story. Yeah, there was there was a, a Delta flight <coughs> with that, that they either overbooked or they had to cancel it for some reason or another. And they were offering passengers $10,000 for anyone who wanted to change their flight to a later flight. And I'm just like, what in the world? And initially, no one jumped at it. I mean, if it was me, of course I would jump at that. Yeah, visit to grandma can, you know, wait a few hours. Yeah, grandma can yeah. wait three hours for a different flight for me to get $10,000. <laughs> yeah, buy her a nice present. I'll bring mm-hmm. her out to dinner. Uh, anyway, and there, and there are a lot of jobs that are offering, you know, a great bonuses, salaries and bonuses. Yet, a lot of people just aren't interested. Mm-hmm. I think two things. I think a lot of people got 
I don't want to, I don't want to say spoiled maybe, but got used to the idea of not working mm -hmm. uh, during COVID and certainly not working at an office. Right. And a lot of these big companies are mad as hell that people will not come into the office. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, you're, you're seeing a, a, a straightening out of the work week, a change in the work week, but it's amazing to me. There are a lot of people who are quite content to stay at home on less money. Right. Uh, now I heard this morning that one industry that's doing great, and this is obviously a bad sign, is pawn shops. Oh, yeah. People are trading in things to try to get money. Yeah, people are trading in their watches and their heirlooms and their jewelry and their what, everything uh, to get money. That's very sad. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's an odd time. Now, the president wants another like trillion-dollar spending package, which seems to me not to make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. That will just, uh, you know, just drive the inflationary spiral just uh, even even faster. Well, and nobody and nobody's uh, checking, although in uh, previous episodes with uh, I think maybe you made this point or maybe it was Joe Fark. It might have been Brian Kennedy. I can't remember which one of you three made it. But, you know, when you think about things that we're talking about that can be potentially detrimental to the country, no one's talking about the deficit. And so when we do all of this spending where we'll, uh, we'll, we'll write a check for this, we'll write a check for that, it increases the country's deficit. And I remember back in the, in, in the Morning in America days uh, on radio yeah. when, in the days of Paul Ryan, the deficit was a big deal. But now we're spending and not even paying attention to Nobody's the talking deficit. about it. Nobody's talking about it. Paul Ryan talked about it. And who was the member of Congress who appeared on uh, Morning in America more than any other member of Congress? I believe it was Paul Ryan, right? No, it was Ron DeSantis. Oh, Ron DeSantis. Yes. Current governor of Florida. Yes. He was uh, weekly, weekly. Mm -hmm. I talked to David Willisall uh, yesterday. Didn't you co-author a book with him? <laughs> oh, very funny. That's a yeah, funny joke because he referred to you as an interviewer as his co-author. <laughs> he was in the interview referred to, so I had a co-author. Yeah. He didn't even he didn't even mention your name. But anyway. But we love David. That's a, we love him. Yes, we love him. We anyway, but he said, yeah, DeSantis called all the time. David was the screener. He was the guy who got the calls from six to nine. Mm -hmm. And so he knew DeSantis very well, and he was the guy who placed the calls. But David had his car stolen. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway, in D.C. And he said, DeSantis called. He said, I've been listening to the show, and I'm ready to talk about stuff. But, uh, David, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have a special subcommittee look into your cars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He said, no, it would be the worst way to do it is mm -hmm. to have Washington try to figure this out. Anyway, <laughs> that, was, that was that was that. Anyway, I, I thought of that because I found very interesting. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, taking a shot at Ron DeSantis. What the heck? You know, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. things are going great in Florida. I think 60,000 people have left California for Florida. Yeah. Well, and, and then that number goes up if you count the amount of people who are leaving California for Idaho or leaving it for, you know, for Boise, oh, yeah, Idaho, yeah, 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 Austin, yeah. Texas. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so for, yeah, for the governor of California to try to call out Ron DeSantis on Florida, it's like, well, are you paying attention to results? Yeah. Uh, just look at the big cities in California. Yeah, he said, the funny, the funny part was they said, we got all the moving trucks here. We got all the U-Hauls here mm -hmm. in uh, Florida and we're not sending them back. Uh, <laughs> right. There was some statistic that came out, like if you wanted to rent a U-Haul, take it from California to Idaho, as you said, or mm -hmm. or Florida or Texas or anywhere, it cost you like an arm and a leg. Mm -hmm. But if you want to rent a U-Haul to go to California, they'd virtually pay you to do it. Now, now we'll talk to Seth uh, Leaps and everybody. These are always very good conversations. Here's Seth Liebson, host of The Seth Liebson Show. He joins us now, and Seth, thank you for your time today. 
I'm hoping we can start with what Claude did to me while I was on air yesterday. No, we've started. We're on. Go ahead. Pretty oh. embarrassing moment. Pretty embarrassing moment. Embarrassing. Well, wait a minute. Claude. You guys were doing a podcast without me? Well, we were doing a podcast without podcasting. Claude didn't know this was happening, but <laughs> as he was setting up this uh, this interview yesterday, he sent me a text. He, th- he said for topics we were thinking, and he mentioned a bunch of stuff, and then he said, and Brittany Grenier, parentheses, <laughs> WNBA player held in Russia, question mark, close parentheses. And I said, you know, they kind of know their customers because on a good day, you know, I would need the explanation on who a, who a, who a sports figure is, a sports games figure is. <laughs> on the other hand, you know, I had just covered her in my monologue mm-hmm. and who, who, I who spelled you- her name right. Brittany Griner, without two E's, the way the producer spelled <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, well, here, so Seth, uh, Seth um, you know, Claude claims to know a lot about basketball. But right. He claims to, yeah. Right. Although people assume I know a lot about basketball because I'm black, but, I mean, no, my first sport. No, no, no. <laughs> no, people, no assume, it's funny. It's funny. people assume you know a lot about basketball because you talk about basketball. That's, that's a good and point. because I call you and say, can we do something, and you say, no, I'm doing the Wizards game. What's the name of that basketball team? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, doing the radio broadcast of the Washington Wizards. Well, so, I mean, the point is, is that I was, I, I put in the explanation of who Brittany I'm Griner glad they're was not the Seth. Bullets anymore. I'm glad they're not the Bullets anymore. Right, because that's how the that, crime go down. It certainly stopped the shooting in D.C. Right. It's certainly, yeah, changing the Bullets' name to the Wizards did yeah. <laughs> stop yeah. crime in yeah. D.C. Yeah. But yeah. the point is, is that I thought I had to explain to Bill, I mean, to Seth, who Brittany Griner was. Not only did he do a whole segment on her, I spelled her name wrong, and he had the correct spelling of the name. It reminds me, Claude's item uh, language here uh, reminds me of a Seinfeld episode where Jerry is walking um, down the street looking for a Chinese restaurant he can't find. And he sees a a U.S. postman who happens to be Asian and he asks him if he knows where the Chinese restaurant is. Mm -hmm. And the postman gets angry because he says, oh, just because I'm Chinese, you think I know where he goes, no, because you were a postman. I figured you knew the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Forget, forgive us for thinking a sports broadcaster, a sports games broadcaster might know something yeah. about basketball. Yep. Yep. Ir- yeah. Irrespective so, of race. Well, I know this because, uh, my gosh, uh, you know, they all go to great pains. Great pains. Say the president called Brittany Griner's wife or husband. Which is it? Wife is what, yeah. Okay. And, sh- and she's a girl. Well, wives usually are. Mm-hmm. But Brittany Griner's a girl, too. I know the male's going to come. I don't mean M-A-L-E. I mean male. No comment, guys? I mean, it's No, I do have a comment. It's the, world, it's the world we live in. I, you know, I'm just not used to it. I'm just not used to it. I'm sorry. Well, get used to it. Uh, no, I mean, get- I know about the Constitution, know about the Supreme Court. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm just not used to it. I'm not saying we should change it. Do you know about the NEA, the largest teachers union in the country, and what they said this week in Chicago? No, I do their not. Annual I, meeting? I, I do not. Can I read it? Please. Printed order of business, and I'm quoting directly. NEA is a, and, and, I, and I, when I say I'm quoting directly, I'm using exactly their sentence structure, their verbs, their nouns. NEA is a social justice union that is a majority female and trans and gender nonconforming FOLX who will fight against attacks. What does that mean, FOLX? We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. (laughs) NEA is a social justice union that is a majority female and trans and gender nonconforming folks who will fight against attacks on our members who 
require reproductive rights of all people who are able to, close quote. So not only are they not able to write where verbs and nouns and complete sentences can uh, take place, uh, we have a new word, F-O-L-X, and people who are able to, which is their way of saying not just women. Yeah, I understand. But F-O-L-X is an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, not it's, yet. It's a, it's a phrase that is used to um, s- signal the inclusion of groups that, you know, have been commonly marginalized, marginalized when it comes to their gender. But it's also the name of a drug of a hormone therapy for transgender non-binary people that you get through the mail confidentially. Mm. I mean, this is what your uh, na- nation's uh, largest teachers union is about now. Social justice and trans and gender rights. Um, Right before that order of business, they say this, and let me quote, NEA will publicly stand in defense of abortion and reproductive rights and encourage members to participate in rallies, demonstrations, political campaigns, and other actions to support the right to abortion. Aren't you glad this is the order of business for the nation's largest teachers union, which tells us in Red for Ed that they're not getting paid enough to teach our children. Uh, Teach our children this. Where's the reading and writing and math quote? Please. Yeah, that's not what they're in the business of anymore. They're a social justice union. Well, I need that uh, statement. If you could send it to me, I am speaking uh, at the Republican governor's meeting and ask, okay. and they want me to talk about the workforce and teachers unions. So yeah, I need well, to, I need to be up to date. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you remember. Probably not. Cause you weren't working with me then. But uh, when I was secretary, I went to a national NEA meeting. I invited myself. I said, "Can I come?" And they didn't really want me, but. They, you know, I was the secretary and I read from I, I, you know, I don't remember, but you can find it in a minute. Some doc, document from the 30s or 40s put out by the NEA, which you would have thought had been put out by Make America Great Again group. I mean, it was so patriotic and basic and talked about traditional values. Maybe you could find that. It was a, the official statement of the NEA and what it stood for. And it would be great to have that next to what you just read. OK. You? Yeah, well, it might. It might. I'm sorry. Yeah. Every time we talk, I give you an assignment. I don't need to. You're it's such a big shot. You no, have an audience. Okay. I, I'm certainly not. And I uh, I would love to look at that. It sounds like grist for my show. So I'll take a look at it. Let's go to your address. Let's go to Arizona. Can we talk Arizona for a minute? Sure. Okay. One, uh, who's going to be governor? I see uh, it's closing a little bit between Lake and uh, our friend Karen, yeah, it is closing. Karen, uh, yeah, it's closing. And Karen still, Taylor, still a lot. Is she of- going by Karen Taylor, or is she going by uh, Karen Taylor? Uh, Karen Taylor Robson, and Robeson. Uh, yeah, and uh, it is closing. It's uh, probably within a margin of error right now, with uh, fifteen to twenty percent undecided. Great, and the voting is starting now because we do the mail-in ballot thing here. So- How would you describe those two leading candidates? Uh, Karen Taylor Robeson will probably be the most uh, conservative governor in Arizona's history if she's elected, which I suspect and hope she will be. Uh, she will probably also be one of the most competent. And yeah. Carrie Lake would, if she can get elected in a general, which I doubt, but if, will probably be the most chaotic, disorganized uh, governor who I'm guessing like Evan Meekum uh, in the early um, yeah. in, the, uh, in the late 80s, like Evan Meekum will probably be bounced out of office due to 
due to incompetence and uh, and probably breaking of so many legal norms. She she's a train wreck um, that has brain um, brain soaked and brainwashed uh, a lot of the a lot of uh, the voters here in Arizona. Okay, who do you, who do you predict wins? Our friend Karen. I think at the end of the day, sanity prevails here. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, sanity okay. and prevail. Okay, what about Senate race? Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough one too. This uh, is uh, Kelly, Mark Kelly, right? Is it it's Mark? To defeat Mark Kelly, and right, who's uh, an astronaut and the husband. Uh, husband of Gabby Giffords. Yeah, right. A lot of people think he's hard to defeat. I've never understood that. Uh, I don't think he is. I don't think he's that impressive. And we have a really impressive bench in the primary. I, I think, almost, I, yeah, I'm, I, I would feel confident in saying any one of the four major candidates for Senate in the Republican Party could beat him. As best you can, who are they? Uh, we, uh, the one, uh, Blake Masters, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Lehman is a businessman, mm-hmm. uh, Mick McGuire's the former uh, commandant of the National Guard here, and Mark Burnovich is our current attorney general. Brnovich is all over the place. He's on TV all, He's all over the place on national TV. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's speak about, uh, but, but you think any one of them could be Kelly uh, because of the current situation, right? By I really do. And, and they're all so very, very competent. I moderated a debate amongst them uh, some months back and went with someone who uh, would be best described as a, you know, a George H.W. Bush Republican, if you uh-huh. will. A truly moderate Republican. And, and these guys, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> you know, this is a new kind of a new Republican party. And she sat through the debate and said afterwards, well, I now know why Mar- Martha McSally wasn't elected to that seat. And I said, why? And she goes, so one of these great people could be our Senator. Um, okay. Even, even the moderate Republicans see that there's a, there's, there's, there's a, su- a superior quality to this crowd running these days, at least. Because there's more bite to them. They're more conservative. They're much more accomplished. They're much more articulate. They're much more uh, truly conservative and unafraid of their own shadow uh, and willing to go right at it, you know? Okay. And, okay. And, and very accomplished, all of them in their own right, extremely accomplished. Uh, listen, I, you and I, Seth, uh, correspond a lot and talk a lot, which is a great blessing for me. Um, you're a great source of inf- inf- information and encouragement. Um, and more, uh, I guess I guess it's probably fair to say that we have a lot of topics, but our major topic over the years, at least the last few years, has been drugs mm-hmm. uh, and the drug issue. Uh, maybe a couple of years there on on terrorism. Uh, the, we spent all our time with the American victory of terrorism. But, um, I, you know, and these latest things, I think you've read more detail, thanks to our friend David Murray, who's done a lot of the research. But um, there's, there's now new research on combining psychotropic uh, drugs, even, you know, sort of everyday ones like Xanax and other, others, Lexapro, with marijuana. And apparently this is done a lot uh, by young people. Um, and the research, if I, if I read it right or heard you and David right, suggests that uh, this is not a good combination. But but it's, it, it, it does come up rather often with young people. So parents listening, uh, if your child's a marijuana smoker, stop stop him or her because uh, on its own it's a problem. But if there's also the use of psychotropic drugs, uh, this makes things worse. Do I have this right as far as you know? 
you do, you have this exactly right. And what's interesting to me is when we um, when we look at this uh, what this uh, conjurie of shootings that youth adolescent yeah. violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, marijuana is found in every case, every single one. Whether is it talking, is it? Oh, I haven't checked that. Is it every case? I know it's part. Whether we're talking Gabby Giffords, we mentioned her a few moments ago. The movie okay. theater in Aurora, the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, the Stoneman Douglas School in Parkland, Uvalde, Highland Park. You give me an adolescent or young adult shooting, and I'll show you that marijuana was heavily being used by that person. Man, oh, man, I didn't know it was that complete. I, I, I've been citing on TV three, just the, the, you know, the three that sort of are still most in people's minds, Highland Park, Duvalde, and Parkland. But uh, was it used in the Buffalo, do you know? Uh, the Buffalo one, we never got, we, we never got, we never got a report on. And what that was one of the interesting things. Uh our friend Christine Tatum out in Colorado said, uh, quit telling me about his economic uh, circumstances. I want to know what uh, what kind of drugs this this person was on. She she will probably be t- uh, turn out to be right if they ever release it. You know, it's interesting. There's a concerted effort not to release this stuff. The New York Times, in their original piece on the Uvalde shooting, did mention yeah, I remember that. marijuana, and then they took it out. Um, you know... It's it's a funny thing what the federal government and what all other governments are interested in these days. About two weeks ago, you saw the FDA banned uh, Juul nicotine vape pens. Uh, nicotine. Nicotine is their problem, uh, is is the Fed's problem. While they let run rampant uh, these nullification states, legalizing, commercializing, and rec- recreationalizing these high-potency mar- the high-potency marijuana that's uh, that, 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 that these youth are now using. Now think about Woodstock where the THC concept content of marijuana was about three to 5%. We're now talking concentrates in the, in, at the levels of 90%. It's the difference between. But, 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 but pause there, 90%, but the typical concentration is 20, 25, right? Do I have yeah, that right? It's, it's about, it's about uh, six to eight times stronger than what was Woodstock, but most of the kids these days are going for the high, high content. Really? Uh, the higher, the better. Obviously, the you know that's that's kind of the attraction here. This blow is, your damn brains out. I mean, it's well, just this destroy your damn brain. brain. Yeah, this was the cigarette company's conundrum way back when uh, the, when it was required that they post the uh, nicotine content on the on the cigarettes so that people would be fairly warned, and then they realized, holy, holy, holy crap. People are buying the higher potent stuff. Once we started advertising what was stronger, that's what they went for. But we're banning nicotine, which has, you know, let me let me illustrate it this way. If you had a uh, a loved family member or friend you needed to give a ride to and uh, you, uh, you 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 asked your, your son or, or daughter to give them that ride, they're 16, 17 or 18. And your son and daughter took with them a pack of camel lights you wouldn't probably think much about it, but now have that son or daughter smoke a half a joint before they drive them. Tells you everything you need to know. You'd never let them get in the car. And yet we're banning the nicotine, not the marijuana. Uh, you, you like to quote C.S. Lewis in the screw tape letters that the use of fashions of thought is really to distract men from their real dangers, right? We have everyone running around with fire extinguishers when there's a flood. So nicotine, uh, which doesn't do really anything except uh, – 
give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of a, a soothing and and calming and uh, higher uh, energy rate um, is out. No no psychotropic effects and marijuana is in. It ties back in a way, oddly, to the Griner story a little bit, if I might. Um, am I and going for on? Claude's benefit? Remind remind him. <laughs> yeah, so this WNBA player Claude, who was detained so in Russia. So pleased with himself. Listen, Claude. He's so yeah, pleased. a Phoenix WNBA player, by the way. Okay. Um, right, right. Yeah, she plays for the Phoenix team. She detained in Russia for bringing um, high concentrate THC in her suitcase. And it made me wonder a couple of things. First of all, do they not randomly drug test in the NBA or WNBA in the first place? I looked it up. Guess what? Guess what? What? Here's here's at least in the NBA what your commissioner Silver said during the COVID pandemic. Quote, we decided given all the things that were happening in society, all the pressures and stress that we didn't want to act as big brother right now because society's views around marijuana have changed anyway. So, you know, the NBA gave up on this and uh, surrendered to the society, okay, um, on a more potent and more dangerous drug. So, so why wouldn't she think she could take marijuana anywhere she wanted to go? Yeah, well, yeah. It turns out some countries don't like it still. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about that danger of marijuana. I heard um, your friend, Alex Berenson, who used to write for the New York Times, who was fired for the New York Times because he wrote uh, harsh words about marijuana, correct? He, he, wrote, uh, he wrote the book on it, Tell Your Children. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think I heard him the other night saying, you know, I think attitudes are shifting a little bit in the direction uh, that we want them to go. People are seeing the danger. I'd like you to comment on that, Seth, but uh, but if you would frame your comments in connection with what's going on in Colorado, because you and I, I'm heading out there, and you, but you and I spoke the other day, and we, I think we, we laughed about, you know, sardonically about the claim when Colorado was legalizing marijuana. Well, this, this'll, this'll, you know, this'll, uh, bankrupt the uh, the drug dealers in Mexico. They won't know what to do. We legalize here. And we thought how stupid of them. And I think the news context of that was a, 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 a policeman who, uh, or sheriff who got, I think the largest haul of, uh, of fentanyl um, uh, in the country recently, at least a very, very large haul. But uh, talk about changing attitudes toward marijuana. Is there a shift in the country at all? Is there any shift in Colorado? And what are the numbers out of Colorado that we need to know in order to make a good judgment about whether we should be more uh, harsh in our judgment of marijuana? Well, there's um, there's a bunch in there. Uh, let's start with... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I that's loaded okay. up. No, I'm just thinking it in my head to break it down and tie it together. Let's start with the first. Almost every defense of legalization is a myth or a lie. And it starts with the eradication of cartels uh, because you can still do searches on Colorado marijuana seizures. And it's funny enough, isn't that odd that in a state that's legalized it, there's the the government, local and and federal law enforcement still are engaging in, in marijuana seizures. Why would that be if it's legal? Because the cartels are um, are operating in Colorado uh, at full speed and full board. They commercialized it in Colorado, and uh, the people realized, okay, but I have to pay a really high tax for it. So the cartels are alive and well, and their grows their 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 marijuana grow growing um, growing uh, inst- uh, for, uh, growing areas 
are, are what we call hiding in plain sight. They can be mixed amongst the legal grows, so it's harder to detect. But the cartels are operating fine and dandy in Colorado and doing very well there. The only difference is they're not Mexican cartels. They're now American. Uh, they're now American illegal grows. America has become a marijuana cartel because what we did with the Mexican cartels is by legalizing it here, we took away a lot of their business model, which was to move it through here, through the Mexican border illegally when they can just now grow it here legally. So what they're now moving through Mexico illegally, yes, you said it, it's uh, meth and, and coke and, um, and fentanyl. So we, we and that's in Colorado. So the, the Colorado didn't wipe out other, other, <laughs> other problems. It's it didn't wipe not. out any other problems. It brought it's and didn't like, wipe it's out like marijuana. Jurassic Park two, where uh, Ian uh, Malcolm uh, says, uh, "Well, I'm glad I'm glad he solved all the old problems. We've now created a whole bunch of new ones." Yeah, that's okay. what Colorado's done. You've been to the 16th Street Mall lately? It's a no. disaster. You can't. You can't be. You can't go there safely anymore. Um, it's uh, that was a great area. That's right. It down was a great there, area, right? It was a Shopping great area. area. I bought clothes there. Yeah, of course. It's a fabulous area. It's it rends and wrecks everything it touches, uh, this legalization thing, including once great cities like Denver uh, and once great areas like the 16th Street Mall. And is, uh, is Berenson right, though? Is there some kind of change of mind? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, you see the New York Times putting out articles on this now. They didn't used to. You see the Wall Street Journal putting articles on this now. They didn't used to. But my fear is that it's going to be, uh, you know, one of these very transitory things because that's the society we live in now. You jump on one lily pad and then before you, um, you know, finish, finish the transportation across the pond, you're onto another one. We just jump from thing to thing here now. So I don't think the concentration of the public's attention on marijuana is going to last. I'm glad Alex is optimistic. I'm a little more pessimistic. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. All right. Uh, is, is, there, is there any second thoughts in Colorado? When I was out there, uh, we had the book uh, Going to Pot, uh, Bob White and I wrote, and you were uh, very helpful to us. Uh, good book, a lot of statistics. They still hold up. I was out there at a forum, and I think I said, and I think I said on the air, I predict Coloradans will reverse this within 10 years. That had to be, what, five years ago, Seth, or more? Yeah. It's very hard, and I'll tell you why. Um, the, there's, there's, there's not tens of millions, but hundreds of millions of dollars being made from the marijuana commercial industry. And think about what it takes to change a proposition um, in a state. Uh, you have to find a lot of money to come up against it. Now, if you have an industry that's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, really touching, in Colorado's case, up to a billion bucks, uh, where, where are you going to go to, to fund the, uh, the no campaign or the reverse campaign or the, or the, uh, or the, uh, yeah, the reverse. Yeah, okay. campaign? Where are you going to go? Rehab centers, prevention organizations. Yeah. Uh, you have no. to talk yeah. to some millionaires and billionaires who find this cause worthy of their time and money and effort. It's very hard to go up against these very wealthy industries. I mean, Look how hard it's been to go off on tobacco, you know, once it's here, it's once the needles in your arm, it's hard to take out. Is there a phenomenon? You you mentioned a very interesting thing I I didn't know about, about uh, tobacco companies listing the content and um, oh, they realize, my gosh, 
they want more potent stuff. Yeah. Uh, is there a, a, a similar thing going on in Colorado? They legalize marijuana, but we're seeing an increase in the use of, you know, fentanyl, uh, meth, uh, other things going higher, right? I mean, the method of the marijuana is high, but hey, I got something that'll take you higher. Maybe I don't kill think, you. I don't, I don't think I've ever looked at an opioid uh, abuser, an opioid user, uh, an addict. I don't think I've ever seen one's testimony that doesn't say I started with marijuana. That's right. That's right. I don't think I have. Um, That's right. And uh, I can't think of the example if there is one. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I've always been hesitant to even make that argument because to be sure you enter a drug culture, you enter a drug culture, you enter an addiction, mind altering addiction culture, you enter that mind altering addiction culture. But I think you put this in your book going to pot. You really look at the statistics on adolescent marijuana use and what it does to the brain and the links to psychosis. You don't really need to go to fentanyl or opioid. Marijuana is bad enough. It's bad enough. It sure is. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org. Presentdangerchina.org. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. Next week.